O God of our salvation, awaken us to your love and enchant us by your grace. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Imagine a world in which people got their news from different sources. Maybe there's not much imagination required. But imagine what it would be like to change the network and get our news from a completely different vantage point. Well, at its best, that is what the season of Advent helps us to do. Advent reorients and repents our understanding of time, our vision of ourselves and the world, our hopes and fears. Our assumptions about life are seen afresh and anew by the coming light of Christ. Advent helps to correct our vision. And a significant part of what needs to be corrected is that we no longer see the world in the way that God would have us to see it. It's as if we are wearing blinders or tinted glasses and everything has been distorted. In 2007, the Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor wrote a book that has sent waves through the fields of religion and sociology. The book is called A Secular Age, and many books have been written in conversation with it since it was published. In particular, I'm in the middle of reading a trilogy of books that apply this framework of secularity to the church. And they are some of the most enlightening and best books that I have ever read. And while it can be difficult, if not impossible, to summarize hundreds of pages in just a paragraph, the basic gist of the argument is that we have forgotten what our ancestors knew in their bones, that we live in an enchanted world. It was not that long ago that every moment and every object was charged with possibility and layers of meaning. Things were more than things, and words were more than words. They conveyed a power to make and shape reality. And these forces had a real impact on us. Clergy, potions, and legends were not fanciful things but they gave mean, meaning to and could change the world. Taylor's way of writing about this is to say that the self was porous. That is, we were open and able to be influenced by things outside of us. Simply put, the world was enchanted with depth, possibility, and transcendence. This is not the world that we live in. We live in a secular age, a disenchanted world. The process of disenchantment began in the Protestant Reformation when people challenged the notions of the Eucharist having any innate sacredness instead of the meaning that we give to it. And in the scientific revolution, when so much was reduced down to cause and effect bits and pieces. Instead of speech or objects having a meaning unto themselves, those things now only mean what we say they do. And because they have no definitive meaning, they have no power over us. Taylor says that we are now buffered 
selves. We are immune from having meanings thrust upon us that we do not choose for ourselves. This is why authenticity is so fetishized in our society. Be true to thyself is the motto of our secular age. Instead of having meaning endowed to us, we have to make it for ourselves, which explains why so many of us feel adrift, as if we're searching for something that we can never find, trying to grasp onto something as vapid as the mist. In this secular age, everything has an explanation. Nothing means more than we says, say that it does, and we determine the meaning of our lives. It is a disenchanted world. You all know by now that Julian of Norwich's All Shall Be Well is central to my understanding of the faith, but there's another quote that is just as foundational to me. It comes from the poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She wrote, Earth's crammed with heaven, and every common bush afire with God. But only they who see take off their shoes. The rest sit round and pluck blackberries. And so if that's all you take from this sermon, that will be enough. Earth is crammed with heaven. That is a statement about the enchanted nature of this world. For indeed, every bush is a fire with God. But what do I mean by that? I mean that resurrection comes after death, that reconciliation comes after estrangement, that grace is better than our accomplishments, that beauty surrounds us, that love is the truest and deepest thing that can ever be spoken or done, that God is up to something. More concretely, I mean that we can find peace after we have been given a tough diagnosis. We can have hope even after we've been told about the layoffs. We can find healing after a divorce. We can be joyful even when we are struggling. We can have a reason to love even though we have been hurt. And these things are possible because we live in an enchanted world, a world that is open and filled with possibilities that we cannot yet imagine or receive. This enchantedness is what Advent is all about. It began with the opening hymn, which follows Jesus' words in Matthew, Sleepers awake, a voice astounds us, the shout of rampart guards surrounds us. In other words, stop sitting around and plucking blackberries. Wake up to reality. Stop living in the world created for us by advertisers, politicians, and economists. These things shall not endure, and they are no more substantive or real as a game of Monopoly is. Instead, awaken to the presence of the living, loving, and liberating Holy Spirit who animates our world and enchants our lives. Instead of taking our orders from forces that seek to use us, instead, Advent would have us awaken to that vision of Isaiah of God's holy mountain in which we walk in the light of the Lord. And then we had our collect this morning, which is based on that reading from Romans. It's also an alarm clock sounding us to wake up, for salvation is near. If Charles Taylor had written Romans instead of St. Paul, it might say, salvation is the air we breathe. 
It infuses every moment. It is the story of our lives. But we tend to think of faith, forgiveness, salvation, blessing, all of these churchy words is something like a status or an award that we carry around in our back pocket. Sure, titles and awards are nice, but they don't really change much about how we live. Instead of faith being described as our thoughts, faith is best understood as a relationship. Think about the relationship that means the most to you. Perhaps it's a child, parent, spouse, friend, Whoever that person is, we are different people because of that relationship. Now, the fact that I have a marriage certificate does very little for me. But the fact that I am married changes a lot about my life and the decisions that I make. My name being on my daughter's birth certificates really doesn't do much, except for that child tax credit on my 1040. But being a father to Eleanor and Rowan is perhaps the most formative thing that has ever happened to me. The fact that I have fancy titles and diplomas probably does me more harm than good when it comes to my ego. But the fact that a bishop laid his hands on me and made me a deacon and then a priest transforms the very core of my identity. Faith is a lived experience, a relationship with the God who is. And that only makes sense in a world that shimmers with the radiance of God's grace, peace, and love. And so the question for us to wrestle with is whether or not we are drowsy and asleep to the enchantedness of God that is all around us. Does it feel like we're just going through the motions? Is the spark of possibility gone? Is something new coming? Or is it if we are living in the movie Groundhog Day, where every day is just like yesterday? Are we aware of the Spirit of God moving among us? If we're honest, enchantment, whenever we feel it, is a fleeting one in this secular age in which we live. But we were made for enchantment. This is why we are so captivated by stories, by things like Star Wars, Harry Potter, or comic books. Even though when we do sense that we're a part of something bigger, it's so easily dismissed as just a result of evolutionary psychology or wishful thinking or indigestion or just our opinion. Our modern world works by having us be asleep, just going through the patterns of producing and consuming. And people who critique, challenge, or subvert this, they're called instigators. Dreamers, unrealistic, naive. What is rewarded in our culture are people who follow the rules and fall in line. Even those that we call creative or trendsetters, they're not doing anything new. They're still coloring in the same old lines with a different color crayon. And as tempting as it might be for me or the church to say, well, we just need to get re-enchanted, that's not possible without remaking our world. A couple of months ago, I told Caroline that I was thinking about changing her job title to Chief Enchantress. <laughs> because that's what we need to give our children and our youth. The sense that life is bigger and more glorious than the world we have handed to them.
But that's not easy work. I'm not even sure that it's possible. Because our ancestors lived in a world in which a relic had real power. An incantation could do something. A demon could disturb us. Now maybe we can convince ourselves that the sacraments have meaning. But we live as buffered selves in a closed world. Now I very much doubt that I'm the only one here who has ever had this experience. But I remember as a child reading The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and then going to check the back of my closet for an entrance to Narnia. But I tell you, I've read that book to both of our daughters as an adult, and neither time did I go and look behind the coats in the closet. Try as we might, we cannot force ourselves to think things that we do not believe. But how Advent helps us is to awaken us to the fact that we do not have to re-enchant our imaginations or our world. Rather, we can come and see how God's enchantment never went away, even if we became blind to it. When Advent is misunderstood, it's always an error of chronology. Advent is not about getting ready for Christmas. Advent is not about getting ready to remember something that happened back then, like Christ being born. And if we make that the focus of Advent, then we lose all of the enchantedness of this season. Instead, Advent is the preparation for when all things will be culminated and made well in the love of Jesus Christ. Advent orients us towards the openness of creation, to the possibilities that God has for us that we cannot yet see, to the hope that Christ is coming, to the fact that every bush is a fire with God. Advent is about the future, a future that is enchanted. And the surest signs of this enchantment are the signs of love. Right before the passage we heard from this morning in Romans, where St. Paul tells us to wake up, he writes, Owe no one anything except to love one another. Love is the fulfilling of the law. God is love. And this love is what overflowed from the Holy Trinity and created all that is. Love is what called the people of Israel into being and held back the waters. Love is what was born in Mary's womb. Love is what fed the hungry, forgave the sinful, carried the cross, and overcame the tomb. Love is what was sent into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Love is the way. And love is so enchanting because it has no explanation no reason for being. But love is what can move mountains. Love is can what, what can repair that which has been broken by sin. Love is that which is more enduring than the grave. Love is where all things are heading. Love is what we fall into, what catches us by surprise and makes our souls to sing. Pay attention to where you find love. For that is where we will find God. Choose love. For that is how we align ourselves with God. Pray for love. Because that is how we open ourselves to being enchanted. Love is what awakens us to a world full of enchantment. So that we might have eyes to see that indeed, lo, he is coming with clouds descending. Alleluia.